Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. Inconceivable but true, my name is Aaron. You keep saying that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. I almost said my name is Princess. Oh! The name Sarah actually means princess. Oh, snap. I thought you were the Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh, yeah. I go by many names. Ooh. I've been, I've been Ro- Roberts. Dread Pirate Roberts. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, Sarah the Snake Roberts. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> The movie this week is The Princess Bride from 1987, directed by Rob Reiner and written by William Goldman, starring Carrie Elwes, Mandy Patinkin, Robin Wright, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Fred Savage, Peter Falk, and all those character actors that were also in the movie. And this was Sarah's pick. Yes. Oh, thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, this movie isn't really a fantasy movie, but it is so a fantasy movie that I'm like, this is fantasy. It's probably, oh, yeah. probably the best fantasy movie that's been made in like maybe my whole generation. I don't know. Labyrinth is up there for me, but that's because it was like a childhood favorite, but this one never seems like it's bad to me. This is one of those movies I could watch over and over again, and I have, and I still like it. Indeed, it continues to hold up after having seen it many times myself. And as somebody whose taste has changed quite a bit since he was younger when it comes to film, I'm actually very surprised at how delightful I still find it. Like, the script seems perfect, and the actors laying out those lines. It's It just comes off as a sweet perfection. Yeah, per- perfection's definitely the word uh, for this movie. Uh, even if I'm in, like, a bad mood, putting this movie on will definitely cheer me up. It's one of those movies, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was watching it this time, I was thinking about kind of um, more of the actors and their experience and what they had been involved in. And a lot of these guys were really good. Like, they were already well-known actors, had probably done a lot of stage work. Um, and, like, Wallace Shawn had worked with Woody Allen and... Billy Crystal had done a bunch of stuff already, and I I was just thinking about how it must have, I imagine it was a cool environment to work in, because not only were they, like, in England and Ireland when they were shooting some of the really cool locations, but, like, um, but it just seemed like there must have been some, like, 
just interesting people to talk to on set and uh and I think it's cool that they all decided to do this fantasy movie that is kind of silly um but also really good. Have you guys ever been to Ireland? I have been to Ireland. I've never been to Ireland. Joel, are are there really no snakes there? Um actually it's it's kind of funny that you would ask that because when you get off the plane, the first thing to do is uh, spray you with this anti-snake guard because there's literally snakes everywhere. I knew it. It's it's revolting. I knew it. Yeah, the whole, Pat, you know, St. Patrick driving away the snakes. I don't know where they, you know, that's just to get the tourists to come in. Because uh, they're like, oh, don't worry, there's no snakes here. Get don't the worry. story out and there. That, as soon that, as you that, land, that, they're like, oh, by the way, uh, watch out for all the snakes. All right. And the shrieking eels. Oh, I knew it. Those darn shrieking eels. Those shrieking eels are nightmare fuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, this is not something that uh, I, I'm not even sure I've had the occasion to express this on the podcast. Maybe I have because we've watched a couple of underwater things. But I, I have like a fear of marine life. And this is probably one of the reasons why. I think the main reason I'm afraid of marine life, and this is the God honest truth I, I finally figured out, is the movie The Sword and the Stone, where... uh uh, Arthur gets turned into a fish. Into a fish to, to get taught that lesson. Okay, it's just like s- scary. Like he's getting like get eaten by that bigger fish and stuff like that. Okay. I think I used to have nightmares about it, but also but scary freaking multi-toothed eels that screech at you. Not not to get too far away from this film, Ooh. but I'm gonna go there. But what about the squirrel scene? Do you ever want to be a squirrel? That squirrel scene made me feel weird. Why are those squirrels kissing? They love each other, Joel. Uh, I don't like it. All right. All right. Oh, and then he breaks that squirrel's <laughs> heart. He breaks that squirrel's yeah. heart. Mm. You know whose heart? Mm. You know whose heart doesn't get broken here? Who's Joel? Wesley's. That's Butter- a good point. Buttercup's heart gets broken. Who? Oh, Butter- Buttercup. Yeah. Man, she's she's she has it rough in this movie. Man. Yeah. It's not an easy ride being a princess. No. I think when I was a little girl, I thought, well, at least she's super pretty. (laughs) I mean, she's got a lot of horrible things going on for her right now, but... Good looks, check mark. At least, you know, things could be worse. You're right. She could be ugly. She could have had, like, boils or... (laughs) Yeah. No, very true. Um... This movie, I feel like, was, like, a gateway movie for me into, like... Fred Savage. The idea... Um... (laughs) No, I don't know. Maybe I'd already been watching The Wonder Years at that point. I don't know um, when I actually saw this the first time. What's our our timeline on that? I looked it it up. Uh Uh-huh. This was made the year before Wonder Years started airing. Oh. And I don't think I saw it in the theater. So chances are I saw it on VHS maybe a year later around the same time. Okay. Okay. That's really good timing for Fred Savage. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I like the idea of, like, Peter Falk palling around with, like, Fred Savage (laughs) on the cast. Yeah. I think, uh... Peter Falk is one of my favorite people. I love Columbo beyond reason. And um, we have the entire series That's... of it. I watch it all the time. Nice. I think of Columbo as being uh, one of the uh, 
one of the best anti-hero like anti-hero. Characters. He's not. A, he's not anti-hero. He's a regular hero. He's not. He's not breaking breaking laws to to destroy crime. The word I'm looking for is uh, understated hero yeah, okay. or um, most uh, self-deprecating hero. <laughs> Yeah, I have this, like, underground indie comic. I think it was, like, my parents. I think it was it was called, like, Quack or something like that. Anywho, long story short, there's uh, w- one furry character in there who's basically Peter Folk. In, but he's, he's playing. He is Columbo, essentially, but as, like, a like a dog person or whatever. I'll have to bring it in awesome. and show you sometime. Awesome. Yeah, um... Columbo was another thing I was super into as a kid. I don't know why, but I started watching it with my dad, and I got super into it. Nice. And, um, yeah, I think Peter Falk was a cool, cool person, and uh, R.I.P. But, uh, yeah, this was like a gateway into, like, acceptable romance i think for me okay because as a kid even even as a kid i had this like cheesiness aversion and i think that this movie is self-aware of the cheesiness yeah. and that made it easier to take like the fact that they were like okay this is cheesy let's stop but like it was still funny too you know yeah i found most romance and things to be the gross factor for me as a kid and I would, I would, I was always that kid that was like, I would point that out to my parents too. Be like, this is gross. <laughs> Kissing. Even, uh. Ew. Exactly. Yeah. What? Even what? Oh, I don't even know where I was headed. What? What secret? Kissing movies where your parents showing you? Oh, um, probably just anything. Okay. A TV show. <laughs> I, I, I used to watch a lot of soap operas with my mom. Oh, that's that's just kissing twenty. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> people got nothing better to do. So you you so can, you have like a rule about fantasy. Like, is it actually a fantasy movie if it's like turns out that it was a dream that somebody was having or something like that? I mean, does this fall under your definition of like something that wouldn't be a fantasy? Because it is literally a, a, an old man telling a, his grandson a story out of a storybook. Um, no, I was saying that in the beginning that it well, yeah. isn't really a fantasy movie. I mean, because I mean, it is. It is. That's what I'm saying. I, I yeah. feel like I don't have a problem with it the way it's presented. It's- I, I still. I'm sorry to interrupt you, it's sir. Okay. I was just going to say that I, I too find this to be a fantasy film. Definitely not more on like the fairy tale end of uh end of that spectrum uh and and yeah it's way fun it's way fun mm-hmm. i like that it's a fantasy film that doesn't like go into science fiction at all even to the point where like something that could have been a steampunkish machine is so uh primitively made you know the the torture machine the, oh yeah the thing that sucks from my life it's like literally a wheel you know wa- water coming out of a whatever uh yeah thing and and running a wheel to to suck the life out of this guy it's like they didn't even want to do anything remotely mechanical and i i really like the steps that they go through to 
to keep it in firmly in the fantasy, you know, giant rats and fire swamps. And- they kept it pretty much in reality. They had some things that were beyond reality in the uh, fictitious country that they're in, in the fairy tale or whatever. But I think that they were careful not to create anything supernatural. They explained most of the things that were... I mean, except for the rodents. <laughs> I think they explained almost everything with, like, reasonable uh, explanation. I think the only thing that's not is Miracle Max. Yeah. That's but true. But it's in the name, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like, you know, he does magic. Like, that's even right. though it's like some sort of medicine, like, everybody says this guy's dead, and they bring him to him, and he, he, he pops a, a pill into his mouth to bring him back to life, so... You could stretch it to say, like, well, you know, he's he's calling it magic, but it's really medicine. I but. missed I missed it on on this time of, of viewing, but what was the reason why Miracle Max like uh, was was let go from his position as a master physician? Was it because of the evil dude kind of taking his place? He was too horny. Oh. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he actually says. Oh. He just says he got oh, fired. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I, you he know, got fired by the king's son. I mean, the the heart wants what the heart wants, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that he said something like, "Oh, his son like fired me and like hired the the six fingered man." I assume. I guess. No, Were no, no. Those his potions and stuff, or what? was there an area where there was like a physician that was working in the castle? Not that we saw. I was thinking no. it was like a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves situation where you just have some old bag lady up in the up in the attic. Oh, the evil person that was down in the tree or whatever? That's oh, what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Despair. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't even think of trying to escape. It's just such a stupid little joke and it's so perfect like the <laughs> You know, like the change of the voice thing, because that's that's a step, like you were saying, almost a step a little too far into the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he's evil. He's an evil, impish guy. But oh, no, actually, he's got a normal voice. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's like a total Mel Brooks joke type of thing. Oh, yeah. You would see in like Young Frankenstein or something. Yeah. But. The cast is so good in this, and the writing is, the dialogue is so good and so quick, and it doesn't really age badly, which I think is amazing, because a lot of shows that, a lot of movies that we've watched um, since time has passed, at least some of it is, like, dated dialogue, but there's less of that in this than there is in a lot of other movies. The writing is so tight in this. It's 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 timeless. I agree. There's a lot of quipping and uh, wit used uh, back and forth and some snark. I think that that's probably one of the reasons I liked it so much was because I found it kind of silly, but like smart at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like. Just the the way the good guys uh, interact, you know, Wesley's interacting with uh, Inigo and with, uh, what what is the giant's name? Uh, his name is Fizz. Well, they say it a whole bunch of times, and I'm just, 
I don't know. He's Andre the Giant. I just read it. <laughs> he's, he's Andre the Giant as himself. I don't... <laughs> Anyways, just like the the like line interaction that they have, the 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 witty back and forth, and everything is so so wonderfully paced and and delivered, and like like Mandy, like I didn't know who Mandy Patinkin was, and. This was Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. Like, in our brains, maybe it's our generation. I don't know if anybody else that's our age was more familiar with him from something else at a young age. But for us, Mandy Patinkin was this character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's that Spaniard. He was an Ego Montoya. Like, that's who he was (laughs) to us. That famous Spanish actor, (laughs) Mandy Patinkin. with the long hair, the sword fighter. Uh, Andre the Giant's uh, character's name was Fezzik. 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 And the wittiest part, you know, Wallace Shawn. Like, of course, like, they gave him all these crazy lines, but I think that just so quotable. Everything in this movie is so quotable. Yeah, Sarah was quoting the movie as it was going on. And we were like, stop it. No, then we didn't say that. (laughs) There were a couple that I really liked. I I I had to restrain Joel because he was just so... (laughs) Yeah, he was so worked up. I think that's the worst story I've ever heard. How marvelous. (laughs) It's It's just... Yeah. Christopher Guest, okay, since I brought up that particular line, I love, like, okay, yeah, now as an adult, I've seen, it's, it's another person, like, I've seen Christopher Guest movies, and I've seen Christopher Guest in his movies, you know, like, right. I love him in Best in Show, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, but, like, in this, for the longest time, I didn't know who that guy was, yeah. I thought it was just some British guy. Some actor. Some swarmy, you know, uh, like, awesomely evil British guy, and it's like, no, that's Christopher Guest, he's... I don't know. He's probably Canadian. I don't know if he's an American, but <laughs> it's like, yeah. And he he had worked with Rob Reiner on um, this is Spinal Tap. Oh right. So that's where that connection would have come from too. And we were talking Billy Crystal. Yeah, Billy Crystal and when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Just to have a moment of uh, Andre the Giant love. Just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I. Was super into wrestling as a kid, and I actually went to a wrestling match with my dad once as a kid that I believe Andre the Giant was at, and oh, I think it was here in Ventura. Yeah, Andre the Giant was there, Hulk Hogan was there, and Elvira was there. And I remember, like, there being big moments, and, like... I think I remember the Macho Man being there too. I'm not positive, but it was like a pretty earth shattering moment for me as a kid that like I was seeing all these like crazy wrestlers that I knew from TV and wrestling was like a super popular thing for a minute in the 80s. It was like huge, huge. And Andre the Giant was just super cool and then when you saw him in this movie you're like he seems like a really nice person too not just like a cool guy and like an entertaining wrestler and stuff and i remember um when i was working at the theater i read this thing and i don't know if it's true or not but i was uh we were doing some beckett plays and uh i read that Samuel Beckett actually used to live down the street from Andre the Giant when he was a kid. Oh. And he would give him a ride to school in the morning. That's awesome. And 
I just think that's crazy to think about, too. Like, Samuel Beckett and Andre the Giant in a car talking to each other about stuff on the way to school. Yeah, those minds. This is a meeting of the minds. I really am Dang. intrigued to know what those conversations are, are, were like. According to Andre the Giant, they didn't really talk about very much at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't think it was... You know, he was probably he didn't probably didn't realize who you know he was in the car with or anything like that. Samuel Beckett, you know, if he'd known, he would have rustled him to the ground. Where did I read that? Or do you remember when we were talking about that? No, I. I, I, think it I mean, I've heard it before since then too. Since since you first told me about yeah. it, yeah, so. yeah, some story going around. This is uh, this is news to me. Very cool. Well, get on it. Well, yeah. Now. Okay. Leaves podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Carrie always, I mean, oh my gosh. I have to say that this was like the idea of like your dream guy as a little girl when you were watching this movie. And it's like, I mean, it's like a Disney like romance practically. Mm-hmm. But he was just like the most charming and kind and generous and at the same time he turns out to be this adventurous bad guy and then like he comes back for her and like in in my mind as a kid i think this was kind of a fundamental like oh yeah building block for the idea of what like a romantic relationship could be like in like a dream scenario <laughs> you know <laughs> I mean, I don't know if guys, if boys felt that way too when they watched it. But oh yeah, we it's were a romantic. We, we were in love with uh, Carrie Elwes. <laughs> gorgeous. Look at that hair. <laughs> if you were in love with him, you wanted to be him. Yeah, exactly. Or, I want to swing, <laughs> Robin Robin Wright, swing yeah. that sword. I want to run my hand through his hair. Yep. <laughs> Get those soft kisses. I don't like that little mustache though. That's got to go. I mean, I would... I don't know, kind of tied everything together. Not literally? <laughs> for a pirate, I yeah. guess it was a look. Yeah, I guess you gotta have a mustache for your pirate. Touche. <laughs> so I gotta... I mean, the, you know the opening scene here where... Uh, not the opening scene, but the opening part where uh, we're presented with um, Buttercup, who is a commoner girl, mm-hmm. lives on a farm, and Wesley is a farm boy. Uh-huh. So it it seems like she orders him around, but they're both commoners. So he was like a lesser commoner. He was, like, yeah, I think he was, he was a yeah. hired hand. He was the scum commoner, and she was the slightly better commoner that might get noticed by a passing by prince. I think that she had their her family had enough money to hire a farm boy helping hand around. And the only difference was, like, he was a commoner that could be hired to help out, and she was a commoner that wasn't hired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who could benefit from be- yeah. from the hiree. Being an employer. Yeah. <laughs> to another commoner. Yeah. You never see her family or parents or anything. No. And they're kind of older for being, like, alone and stuff. I feel like at that time... It's it's fantasy. It's not yeah. a real time. It's not a real place. But Back in the day. I almost feel like it seems like she's a single woman living alone in the beginning part. The way it's filmed yeah. definitely ma- makes it seem like she is by herself. I mean, they they feel like teenagers to me in the beginning, though. They feel like very young people. And then 
later when they see them, they feel older, like appropriately older. They they do a really good job of making seem like a certain amount of time has actually passed mm-hmm. since they last seen each other. But yeah, I don't like. Was there you know when when the prince acquired Buttercup? Was there a dowry that happened for the parents or anything? Were their parents dead or something? I guess it's that makes me think of how tight it was for like characters like there were a bunch of characters but each one is so memorable in the movie that it doesn't feel like we've got a huge cast of people but there is like 15 individuals i feel like that you could be like oh yeah that guy oh that guy's gonna say a thing like even the guy who's like the the head guard with the key right is is a super memorable guy yeah and the even the king who barely has a part at all, the king is like still a little like <laughs> she charming me. old man. Yeah, that was an Aaron line. It was. It was totally something I would say. You got beard like the king. Thank you. I do. Mm-hmm. That was a strange way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of concerns when I was watching this when I was younger about like there being a, a time limit. I remember probably being like, I like this bad guy, and being like, I don't think that's okay to <laughs> like this bad guy. And then you find out that he's the person that she was with all along. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember having a little bit of a moral conflict about that. As <laughs> <laughs> hey, ladies like the bad like, boy. Wait a minute. No, he actually is the guy, the dream guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, another thing I, I definitely hated the torture part. I think the worst part for me in this movie is between when they come out of the woods and take him and before, like, the wedding. Like, that's probably my least favorite part of the movie still, Mm -hmm. and it probably was my least favorite part then, too, when he gets tortured and they have to try and figure out a way to get to the castle. And mm. um, Do you have a least favorite moment? Um, Let's see. Least favorite moment. The eels, maybe? No, I like that part. I just think the eels are scary. That's, mm-hmm. that's different. Um, hmm. You know, I, I guess, I guess. Uh, sorry, go ahead. You, you had something on the tip of your tongue. All I was going to state was is that I, I have no emo- uh, negative emotional response for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sure, there's you know things that that one would dislike that occur, obviously, but I mean, it's it's it it all. I, this movie is just so well constructed that you know even even the moments where where obviously you know one which should be upset i feel it's very appropriate like as as you just mentioned you should feel upset that he's being tortured i i i think it's i think it's just so masterfully crafted you know yeah and i <clears throat> i like that particular scene because we get some very swarmy uh christopher guests in it you know talking about his his whole thing and a little bit you know chris Sarandon and christopher guest talking about <laughs> his work and stuff yeah i think that's funny but yeah, I guess the the, the only scene that kind of makes me eh, is the the whole wedding scene, just because I'm so tired of that. Like that's like if somebody uh, doesn't know the movie very well, that's just going to be the dialogue that they bring out. Hmm. You know? Got it. He's got, got a it. he's got a speech impediment, and he's got a goofy voice. Oh, 
fair enough. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying about that. It's like hearing somebody just quoting Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, like in the movie Sliding Doors, how did Gwyneth Paltrow end up with that guy? All he did was quote Monty Python. Shut up. Oh, sorry. Hey, what's up? Monty Python and the Holy Grail, though, specifically. Well, I mean, it is a great movie, but I mean, it is quoted quite often. Yeah. When are you going to do that one? Whenever? Right now. <laughs> you couldn't see that, listener, but I reached like I had an invisible remote and was turning it on. Are we going to record Princess Bride while we're watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail? That's the only that, way to That'd do be it. a little awkward, and I think we'd confuse most of our listeners. It's like Inception. Yeah. I think always look on the bright side of life is from Life of Brian. It is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, so I don't. I don't want to talk about uh, each individual character. We've already talked about uh, Andre the Giant. We've talked about um, Christopher Guest. Uh, we kind of, we kind of talked about Wesley. I think I feel like Wesley. It's funny. Like I feel like Wesley and Buttercup are the least um, interesting characters, which is not. Not to say that I dislike them, but, uh, you know, Buttercup, unfortunately, doesn't end up being able to... She's she's a proactive character, but she doesn't end up doing much other than getting told what to do, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why I'm I saying see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. That like, I mean, because she's very headstrong, you know? She's like, I'm not going to marry you. I'm going to kill myself. Like, that's no two ways about it. And uh, if you're going, you're you know, if you lie to me, it's going to be bad for you, buddy. You know? I guess in that way, it's kind of like a melodrama because it seems like you've got to have the leading man and the leading lady, like as part of the adventure story or whatever. But doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the ones with the most character. Mm. Um, they're just part of the ensemble that's like kind of funny and kind of I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Does it remind you of any other movies? Does The Princess Bride remind me of any other movies? Specifically. Huh. I mean, <laughs> this guy sounds stupid, but I was thinking of Robin Hood and Prince of Thieves, but, like, it's not, <laughs> obviously not nearly as good, but it is, uh, you know, a, le- <laughs> a low-key people riding on horses, swords mm-hmm. coming out, you know, things like that kind of stuff. As, but that, that's about All it. All right, like, yeah, it, I know. know. I hadn't really thought of that before. But you're right, yeah. A, a dude and a lady. That's true. <laughs> not men in tights. No, not not men in tights. <laughs> starring uh, <laughs> Gary Ellis. <laughs> the Mel Brooks comedy. Mm. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that just that time period in that setting, it does remind you more of, like, other fairy tales. Um, yeah, it's it's no Hawk of Slayer, but, you know, it's pretty good. It's also no uh, Three Musketeers, right? No. Just, oh, wait. The, the 90s? No, it is, it is totally Three Musketeers. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're, it is. It's, yeah. Except for Milady gets killed in that one. <gasps> Jumps off a cliff. Spoilers. Spoiler. Spoilers Rebecca, Rebecca De Mornay. Three Musketeers. R.I.P. Boom. I mean, she's still alive, but the character. Yeah. Um, 
I really like the sword fighting in this movie. Yeah. To talk about some other thing that, that like, however it's choreographed, whether, like, when they, if they were using, like, stunt people, like, I, I kept trying to, like, pay attention to see, like, there were certain parts where I think they must have, like, when, um, after they climb the cliffs of insanity and, and Wesley starts doing those, like, gymnastic flips right <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, that's that thing for sure. And, you know, anytime, obviously, anytime they do a, a kind of flip thing, they, they do a cut so that the person stands up at the end and it's the actual actor. But I don't know if the sword fighting, any of that was just stunt people. I mean, there must have been a couple of stunt guys in there just every now and then, but I feel... I feel that definitely a lot of the sword fighting scenes were done by the actors. Yeah. Um, At least by Mandy Patinkin. You yeah. know, they could they could have put a mask and costume on another guy who looked kind of like Carrie Elwes. But, like, I think it was mostly Mandy Patinkin doing his own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed really well done. Really well um, choreographed, executed. And I like the rapport between those two in the movie, but I also, um, I like his fight with Andre the Giant, too. Absolutely. I feel like those are such small scenes, now that I'm a grown-up and I rewatched this movie, but when I was a kid, those were monumental, like, moments. And I know I shouldn't keep on be calling back to, uh... Shouldn't be calling back to my childhood. Oh no, no! But this experience is, of it, but it was a movie. This is an important movie to you, though. You know, when we were young. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember what Ben Skywalker said? You know, kill the past, or whatever. Oh. Or I guess his name is Ben Solo, not Ben Skywalker. That'd be weird. I, I think this movie should be celebrated at any point in your life, and especially if this was important to you when you were younger. You know, that should be celebrated too. It's just interesting how well it holds up. Like, yeah. And that, like, because I feel like there are things that when I was a kid I didn't appreciate that now as an adult I could definitely appreciate. And way more often it's like I saw something as a kid and now as an adult I'm like, this is really stupid. Why did, <laughs> why did I like this as a kid? Well, you grew out of it. And this movie, it's like the things, like you said, the things I remembered when I was a kid were the fights and they were big parts, climbing the cliff, like run, running through the the swamp and stuff like that and Andre the Giant on fire and now the whole package is just so it, it, it's it's so smooth and delicious just like creamy peanut butter what um <laughs> yeah i feel like it's such a good adventure movie that like it gives it gave kids, like, something to imagine and think about. And it's a very engaging story. Yeah. And it's kind of that book within a story thing kind of makes you as the viewer experience it from reality. But from the perspective of, like, this is an entertaining story, too. And I like that it's, like, pro books, too. Yeah. For yeah. kids. It's like, oh, I don't want to hear this stupid book in the beginning. And I mean, that's, I mean, if you can capture your imagination in a book, like, it's like the rest of the world disappears. So it's, it's cool that it was kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit cheesy, but I, I love it. 
I think that, like, those scenes are completely relatable for anybody. Like, yeah. Even though it's a 80s movie, uh, you know, playing video games and then giving it up to, to, to listen to somebody read a book to you, like, hell no, I'm a kid. Bring on the, uh, Atari 7200. I don't know, Nintendo, whatever he was playing. I saw, I didn't see the power glove, but, uh, I had like a big joystick. Oh, which I didn't Maybe that's the advantage then. What? The advantage. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was oh. like, it was, oh, it looked like a flight, you know, like a flight oh, stick yeah. style type thing. Probably an Atari. Oh, flight stick. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a, a single thing yeah. with like a button on top. No, obviously, I, I don't know. He wasn't playing the game. And this goes with big, you know, starts off playing a video game in the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Did you guys see that trailer for the Deadpool movie? <laughs> oh yeah, that's like Fred Savage in a in a bed, and he's talking to him like this. That's great. It's silly. It's great. But I was like thinking, like, oh, I can't believe like some actors might not have agreed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Something they were known for as a kid. Yeah, I thought that was awesome too. Yeah, I've been trying to get Will Wheaton to walk around in a Starfleet uniform for years again, and he just he won't take my calls. Mm. Well, he's make a busy him, nerd. Make him run on the uh, railroad tracks while I, I drive a train towards him, but no, doesn't want to do that either. I, I, I met Wesley Crusher once. He's pretty cool. Ooh, oh. nice. That's crazy. Also, I sort of met Fred Savage once too. Really? Yeah, oh, I was at cool. Comic-Con. I went to a panel, I sat in a chair, and I turned to look to my left, and there were a series of chairs near me, like, against the wall, and Fred Savage was just sitting on one of those chairs. We locked eyes for a moment. He stared at me, I stared at him, and I waved. He waved back. Nice. That was my interaction with Fred Savage. <laughs> well, it's nice that he waved back. How yeah. old were you? I was uh, 25. Oh, that's cool. I was 25. Nice. I couldn't remember. Oh, it was the um, <sighs> spaced panel for Edgar Wright's TV show. Uh, mm. TV show. They were they had just announced the box set, and I guess Fred Savage was a fan. That's oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. So he just was amongst us all in the crowd. Thought he could hide, but I saw him. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you guys think about that last sword fight between Inigo Montoya and uh, oh, I don't know what Christopher Christopher Guest's character's name is. They, they said six it a couple of man. times. Yeah, six yeah, six fingered man. What do you guys think of that? The best. I had forgotten how that fight, how the flow of that battle, because um, I had, I had forgotten that um, Andre the Giant or Fezzik had knocked the door down, and then as soon as he'd gotten into that room, that he'd been almost fatally killed even before the battle begun. And uh, so this time around, when I was watching, I had forgotten that fact, and I was, I was, I had just been like, "Well, how's this going to end?" Like that was my, <laughs> I almost said that out loud, like while what? we were watching it this time. Uh, Wait, what? Uh, that's not what happens. Yeah. So it's alternate ending. I just think I think the pacing of that's really cool because it just shows that you know obvi- well you know he 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 misses his father and he's going to do whatever he can to make sure that his revenge is sated. His one mission in life. That's right. Yeah, I I just I'm always shocked at how bloody it is because it's like 
you know, not only does he get that dagger in the belly and then yes. he's like holding on to that bloody wound. And I can't think of another moment of the movie where there is blood. Yeah. Like even even when Wesley is quote unquote killed, you, you know, it doesn't get blood pouring out his nose or anything like that. So like he gets that in the stomach and then he gets two more in each arm. And then that's that's for that's just an ego, you know. When once it starts going against the six six fingered man, he gets wounds all over the place too. So it was an interesting choice, in my opinion. Christopher Guest is such a good bad guy in this. Without even really, you don't need that much introduction because of what you've already heard about his character in the movie. It's really well set up and oh, yeah. smooth, and um. Mm. I feel like he, uh, yeah, this fight is, like, one of those moments, again, where I wasn't sure. When when I probably, when I was watching this as a younger kid, I was concerned with a number of things in this movie that keep you kind of in suspense. Yeah. Um, one of them was the uh, wedding that was going to happen, like it or not, at a certain point in the yeah. movie, which... Like, I always found kind of crazy that this wedding was going to happen against her will or whatever. Like, uh-uh. and Not so cool. that was a crazy suspense thing that they had going. Then there was the thing about the hero dying, which, like, is actually really terrible, even though you don't. You don't see anything really that bad happening to him, but it's the idea of being tortured, I think, that bothered me so much. And then the idea of having to try and revive this guy who'd been pushed to near death, but still has to try and, like, save somebody. So, yeah, there's that also as a factor that's happening. And then there's this, the, like, revenge story that Enigo Montoya is looking for this man, and... He's such a bad guy, and you don't want him to be able to get away with it. And he keeps um, having the advantage. And in this scene, it's just like, no good wins over evil. And it's a really good scene. And I think, again, it's like one of those classic moments in the movie where he's just like, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And I think so that good. that's just, like, so real, like, so human and cool. Yeah. And, yeah, it's about loyalty and honor and about your family, and it's relatable. It's kind of interesting that uh, Andre the Giant's motivation is simply that he likes his friends. Like, he doesn't have a, a big backstory. I mean, the you know, the... Wallace Shawn is like, when I found you, you know, you were an idiot with no friends and all that stuff like that. But it's not like, you need to find the gold <laughs> or something like that. But he's just like, he's just a, a generally well, uh, yeah, just just a super friendly guy he's who a- happens to be a, a super tough dude. He's like the gentle giant. He's like the Ludo of this story. <laughs> yeah. He likes a good pun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a rhyme or two. Yeah, no, he definitely <laughs> seems like he would just be like a nice person to hang out with, even though he's supposed to be this like buff like enforcer or something. I enjoy, well, I enjoy that moment when uh, when they first meet Miracle Max and 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 basically, uh, 
I, Get out of here. I'll call the brute squad. Yeah. Oh, but I am the brute squad. I'm, the brute. <laughs> I'm on the brute squad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you can always count on really Too crystal. good. Too good. I feel like that's kind of the thing they do in that movie Goon, too, where, like, he's supposed to be this, like, tough guy, but they make him <laughs> seem so nice and in some situations stupid and, like, <laughs> Embarrassing uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's nice so, to a fault. It's endearing and funny at the same time. But yeah, it's. I just think that it the character is awesome, and I'm really glad that he played that part in the movie. Yeah, it's it's like that. And in this alone, Andre the Giant in this movie alone is like this great gift that the world got. Mm-hmm. Like this, this perfect, uh, unrepeatable thing. Like you couldn't find an- another actor to ever give a performance like that in that way. I can't, you know. That's in in my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I feel like I can back you up on that, though. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of other, you know, large in stature fellows, but I, I think I think Andre just really nailed it as far as personality wise. Yeah, you know, if they ever, you know, remade, you God forbid, ever remade this movie and they put, you know, Dave Batista in that role, I'd enjoy it. But he's no Andre the Giant. Exactly. But Dave Batista is pretty cool. That's true. Yeah. So I'm in Blade Runner 2049. Oh, that movie's great. You know who else is in that movie? Who else? Robin Wright. Oh. Who does an impeccable accent in there. No, I actually don't know. I can't say she has an impeccable accent, but I think she does fine. She never slips as far as I can tell. In this movie? Yeah. This was the first moment that I was actually aware that she was doing an accent and that that isn't actually her real accent. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she does an incredible job because, yeah, you wouldn't have no- you wouldn't notice it unless you... Or thinking about Robin Wright as like who she is now. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole bunch of people who don't have it. It's Robin Wright, Chris, uh, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guest, uh, Manny Patinkin. Obviously, all these people don't have accents. But they, I think they do fun in the, you know, yeah, fun job in this. They do. Have you ever seen Chris Sarandon in another movie? I, I might have, but I, nothing's coming to mind though. He's like indelibly tied to this movie for me. And the only other thing that I've seen him in is a movie that I haven't watched all the way through yet, which is Child's Play. Oh. It's like a detective in the beginning. Oh, okay. Have you seen Fright Night? I have seen. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I, I haven't seen Fright Night. And guess what? Never seen Child's Play. Uh, I know. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're not big on the slashers. I understand. Don't Don't even worry. Friday Night's Vampires. No, I mean the idea. The idea of Child's Play really, really freaked me out though as a kid. Mm. So, oh, redheads freak me out in general. Sorry, mom. My friend, what's he doing? French-born international wrestler, superstar, and actor. That's him. Nice. He also did the voice of Jack Skellington. Skellington in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Not the singing part, but right. just the regular voice. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like the youngest I've ever seen him in a photograph. Wow. Oh, dang. Who's that other guy that looks like uh, that guy from uh, <laughs> Californication? No. <laughs> yeah, it's Runkle. 
Doesn't matter. Anything else you guys want to say about it? Um, I remember being very surprised as a kid when uh when uh Robin Wright's character knocks uh Wesley <laughs> across uh, down the hill. You were saying that I didn't see it coming. That's pretty funny. Uh, obviously, not so much now. But I remember, I remember the sudden shock of like, why would you do that? I remember thinking, I want to roll down that hill. Well, yeah, and then, then that was my immediate, my immediate next response was. <laughs> but I still, even as an adult, I'm kind of like, I'm really hurt. I still kind of want to roll down that hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I wasn't surprised that she did that because. From the perspective, even though you like him at that point, like from her perspective, she's like, get away from me. Well, you're she's still evil. being kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. You kidnapped me. Also, you're the person who killed my true love. Yeah, that's how she saw it. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what just occurred to me is um, the, I, I think it was the flop, the guys on the flop house were always talking about how. It's um, in the movie Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. There's a part where they're like laying out the story in like what would be kind of a boring dialogue moment, but they show like they're they're serving all those like weird foreign foods and that uh, part. Right. Monkey and brains. It's supposed to be like whoa, you know, it's a like delicacy. Well, this part in this movie, they have a perfect scene like that too when he's explaining how he became the Dread Pirate Roberts because yeah. they're going through that crazy forest and it's like right. he's laying out all this this dialogue but there's some exciting stuff going around in the background so. The part that makes me laugh about that is, is like after he explains you know, to the to the T how, how, how everything went down, like even before she can say anything, she immediately falls in a quicksand there's no response. Yeah. Like she is like boom down yeah, i really want to know how they did that the quicksand part a series of trampolines so and hidden rooms i'd be interested to see how they did <laughs> that <Boom tube. laughs> yeah yeah i was definitely curious about quicksand after that and they definitely drag them out of it it's not it's not like they're soaking wet when they come out it's right. not like it's like a sw- literally a swamp they get pulled out of like it looks like a big old thing of dirt, so... They spritz them a little bit and just lightly Did they put sand on them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, that, and that just reminded me, there is a bloody part in that when he gets bit by the ROT. Oh, yeah. Or, R-O-U-S, rather. Of unusual size. hmm Famous around that area. Rodentia. <clears throat> Knights of Rodentia. Ooh. Oh. Rats. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how did I never know this before? Jamie Lee Curtis is married to Christopher Guest and has been since 1984. Oh, dang. Yes. And he is British. Oh, he is British. Well, it shows what I know. That's what it said. His dad... Okay, yeah, he's, um... He's a member of the House of Lords. Okay, so all that stuff I was saying before where he's not actually British, yeah, I take that back. Redaction. Mm Mm-hmm. Just go back, listener, go back in time and pretend I didn't say any of that. He has dual citizenship because he's married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, of course. Born Christopher Hayden Guest. Oh, it says he was born in New York. But his parents were Peter Hayden Guest the Fourth, Baron Hayden Guest, and Jean-Pauline Hines. So maybe they were American nationals, too. Part of the Hines fortune? No. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I knew they were married. 
I didn't. I don't know where they met or anything it's like ama- that. It's not amazing to me that they married. It's amazing to me that they're still married. Yeah. Yeah. She likes a funny guy. Like uh, Dan Aykroyd. In, um, what was that, Trading Places? You <laughs> didn't know where I was going. <laughs> Fun movie. Yeah, I was like, Dan Aykroyd, where's this going? <laughs> Why would she know Dan Aykroyd? Trading Places. It said that they got married at their friend Rob Reiner's house. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's cool. Yeah. 84. That's crazy. Maybe I had heard that and I didn't know who Christopher Guest was at the time. I don't know. They got married in 84? Yeah. So they got married before this movie was even made. Because this is 87. Man. Wow. They've been married as long as I've been around yeah. on the earth. Yeah. It's crazy. You're their anniversary present. Oh, That's right. I truly am a gift. Truly. <laughs> truly, truly, truly. Anything else you want to say about? About picking the princess bride. Mm. I feel like I don't know what to say because it's such a classic movie that everybody knows it. Everybody's seen it. If you happen to have not seen The Princess Bride yet, you should watch it. We didn't break it down scene by scene exactly, but it's a... It's definitely a fun movie to watch and rewatch, in my opinion. The uh, what I really like about this movie is is that in a lot of ways you could you could replicate several several of these scenes as encounters in Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. like easily. Oh, easily. Is that what's going to happen? Hundred percent could. The pacing of this movie, one could even you know. Oh, I. It's just it's just so fun. Aaron's Great next storytelling. Campaign. That's right. Uh, Joel, you'll have to be the princess. Though. I have disadvantage because I'm using my left hand. That's right. See? See? I understand. <laughs> so, uh, the the only la- the last thing I wanted to say was that there was a song at the end of the movie, and that's like an 80s trope. Like, you have to have a song specially made for your movie at the end of the movie. And uh, remember how I told you guys I would forget how it went? I I totally forgot how it went. Something about our love is like a storybook romance. Uh, Well, you're close. Mm. Um, Our love is like a storybook story. Oh, a storybook story. Okay, so the lyrics are bad. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some some may say bad. Some may say repetitive. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, how else... Would one explain a storybook? I don't know. Yeah. What, what? What? How else can you dissect a storybook? Could you say like the pages of the book? It's like know. it's like referring to your brand new car as a it's a luxury vehicle car. Yeah. It's a storybook story, as opposed to a storybook cover. <laughs> like a storybook cover. I mean, you could have said romance. A storybook romance. Yeah, that's oh. what I was saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. or do our love is like a storybook romance. Yeah, see, but okay, storybook story <laughs> by by Will, Willie Willie Dillis. <laughs> no, that's not what the guy's name is. <laughs> is it Will, Willie Book Willis? <laughs> I don't know. I looked up the guy Willie and I didn't, wanna... I didn't know he he has passed away, so I shouldn't you know talk ill of the dead. But uh, yeah. And uh, uh, also, the uh, the guy who wrote the book recently passed away, like a couple weeks ago. Oh, That's rest in peace, bad. man. And this is like the 30th anniversary year, I think, since it came out. Yeah. yeah. Maybe last year was. Yeah. Willie Dillis. 
So, uh, are we okay? <laughs> You're not okay. No, I'm asking about if we're done talking about it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read the outro stuff. You guys think of a lesson that you learned from The Princess Bride, one of our all-time favorite movies. At the time of this recording, I haven't released our top five episode for that this movie is mentioned in, so oh, <laughs> I don't know spoiler. if it'll be out, but it might be, and if it's not, uh, surprise! We'll talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it again. Not not at this length, but uh, I, you know, we had to get into it. Inconceivable, Joel. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. You know, it did actually mean what he meant. He thought it meant, like, he couldn't yeah, he couldn't conceive of the notion. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's his buzz buzzword. Yeah, it does it does mean what he thinks it means. It's just um that even though he thinks all of these things are inconceivable, they keep happening. Right. They do. Also he he's like using it to sound smart. It's not yeah. Working, not working at yeah. a certain point. Hello, listeners. If you have any questions or suggestions, um, we're looking for some new movie suggestions. We got we got a list, but we could always use some more. Write into please don't podcast at gmail.com or message us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PDSMIOS. That's the first letters in please don't send me into outer space. PDSMIOS. It rolls off the tongue eventually. Eventually. Yeah, I mean dollars you'd like to send our way we'd really appreciate it you know we're kind of aching for money right now because uh it's it's um, uh, a time of giving and need and stuff and uh you know if you could just see it in your heart to send three dollars our way you just need to go to coffee.com slash pdsmios that's ko-fi.com Slash PDSMIOS. I got a link inside the show notes every week. And for just for the the price of a cup of coffee, the, the cup of a price of coffee, a scapa scapa scapa, you could buy caffeine so that I don't sound like an idiot by the end of this show. Thank you, Joel. Sarah's shaking her head. It's too late, she says. It's too late to apologize. I could have picked a better song. Eh, that's pretty good for that moment. For three dollars, I'll sing the song of your request. <laughs> I really long. like that, by the way. Please, listener, send us three dollars. Oh, I, no. I might scrounge up three bucks just to. <laughs> <laughs> we got a three dollar donation from Baron Bornelius. Uh, <laughs> that's weird. Well, that's, I, I am known in certain circles as that uh, alias, <laughs> the Baron Bornelius. The Baron. He came from the northern tundra to yes. conquer our land. Yes. Anyways, uh, if you'd like to hear more podcasts like this, check out the other podcast at Ear Trumpet Audio, eartrumpetaudio.com. I was actually on a recent Ear Trumpet Audio podcast. Oh. Other than ours. Who are you crossing the streams with, Joel? It was called, uh, the Re- it was an episode of The Realist. That's R-E-E-L-I-S-T. Did and they talk about, about movies? It was about the movie Apocalypse Now. Oh. <gasps> That's, Which, a movie, that's a movie about soldiers, right? Yes, it is. And we started to watch a movie that was using some Apocalypse Now stuff in it, but oh. uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. And uh, I, I like that movie a lot. I do think it is kind of a silly movie, though, as I've gotten older. 
Mm. But it is, uh, my, I mean, it's a good conversation. Unfortunately, I had a, I had a real bad experience watching that movie, and oh, I did I'm not sorry. enjoy it. It's okay. They give you LSD? No, it was during a bachelor party. They didn't give you? What? Didn't want to be part of. You <laughs> Very, very, uh. A bachelor party. Yeah. Good bachelor party entertainment. No. God. It was rough, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that is rough. For more traumatic experiences, send $3 in and Aaron will tell you all the terrible things that have happened in his life. I mean... Oh, we, had, we just got a donation from Bull Boris. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> so, so did you guys think of a lesson that you learned from... Uh, I was going to call it, please don't send me an outer space. From the Princess Bride? I'm tired. I it's thought okay, of one and forgot it while you were talking. I'm so no, sorry. I'm just kidding. Okay, um, a lesson. My lesson is, um, it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. Um, for example, all this dude's saying is, as you wish, but she eventually is reading between the lines, and I'm just saying that sometimes you don't need to say something specifically, but it's how you say it. So we just, you know, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. You're right. But just think about that sometimes. I think Wesley's lucky that she didn't see it the way that I saw it. When, you know, he's, you know, and that's when Princess Buttercup realized that he wasn't just saying, as you wish. He was actually saying, I love you. And the, like the way he looks at her when he says it, as you wish. He's got this like look in his eyes like, you lady. <laughs> you. <laughs> but no, apparently those were his bedroom eyes, so no. I, was, I was wrong about that. You have a listener. Uh, not as important, but a couple of story points that I, I will apply in my life from now on mm-hmm. from Princess Bride. Okay. One of them being uh, perhaps you have an overbearing boss. Not saying I do, just saying if you did. Timmy. Uh, hey, no, we cool. We cool. Jimmy, stop bearing. I'm just saying. Overly. Just saying. When 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 it comes down to it, you just been yelled at. You and your subordinate are sitting there making sure the uh, sales going up. Sure. Make up a little rhyme. It'll pass the time. Totally. Uh, it would be a crime. That's right. Not to rhyme. Mm-hmm. On his dime. That's right. Oh. Fair enough. Uh, the and then part two of the the two part lessons I learned this time from watching Princess Bride. Carry a carry a robe with you at all times. Just stuff in your shirt. Mm-hmm. Have that robe ready to go. Yeah, no, no, not only that, but you should also remember, if, you know, when giving details on what your uh, your advantages of a right. situation, your assets. Don't forget the wheelbarrow. Never forget the wheelbarrow. No. In your list of assets. Why didn't you list that? <laughs> no, assets. <laughs> the first place. Uh, <laughs> wheelbarrow goes to the top. We have a wheelbarrow. Top of the list. Obviously. That'd be like not telling somebody you have a laser pistol. Mm. I'm surprised that um, they did have a wheelbarrow. Because well, that's not something just every day that you have. I mean, it wasn't something that they made out of nowhere, too, because they they mm-hmm. they knew that the albino had it. So, mm-hmm. that's right. Show don't tell. 
Mm. Yeah, that's how that goes. So my lesson is that if you are a child who's being read a story by your grandfather, don't insist that he reads that kissing part again. Just don't do it. Okay? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be awkward. Your grandpa's going to be like, you want me to read it? Whoa, whoa. Uh, because this whole time you've been telling me to skip over it now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got to go, kid. Sorry, the book's over. Just one more question, Fred Savage. Um, <laughs> the hard, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Is this where you're going to propose to him, Sarah? I mean, it's fine. No. <laughs> we're, we're cool with it. Uh, she was doing a Columbo. Oh. Uh-huh. We'll see you next week, folks. Thank. <laughs> we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 EarTrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear. <laughs>